From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com. We're at LondonNewsToday.ca as well. We're on your very favorite podcast apps where we thank you for listening to, downloading, subscribing to, and rating the Craig Needles Podcast. And on the, the podcast this week, we've had a lot of chances to talk about what's going on with the health and homelessness plan, which I think is, is far and away the biggest thing going on in the city of London right now. And I wanted to switch gears on that a little bit and talk about it with some people who are uh, on the front lines and, and, and doing a lot of the work right now. And, and to, uh, to join us for this, uh, we are joined by Steve Cordes, who, of course, is with uh, uh, Youth Opportunities uh, Unlimited, and Jordan, and Jordan, your last name's escaping right now as I introduce uh, you. There we go. Jordan Arsenault as well, uh, who is, uh, also works with YU. You know Steve. Steve's been on this podcast a lot. But uh, Jordan, just for our, our audience, tell them what your connection is to, uh, to, to YOU and, and tell them what your story is. Yeah, um, I joined up with YOU probably about a year ago or so. Um, I was I've one of the older youth in the uh, Youth Opportunities Unlimited. And I was with them when they were back on uh, the Market Tower, everything like that, mm-hmm. so like over 10 years ago. Um, and then I reached out to them. I needed help uh, trying to get a job, everything like that. And they set me up with the Clean Slate program, which is a great initiative. We go downtown, we clean up uh, all the like Old East, uh, Old East Village and downtown core. We pick up the needles, we pick up trash, we do our best to keep the city clean. And then after my time was done there, I was probably in that program for about, it's probably close to about six months, um, a little longer than what was anticipated. Uh, they sent me over to the wood shop, which I've been there since, I believe, May or April mm-hmm. or something along the lines. Uh, it's, just, it's a great program. It's a recycling plant and the wood shop, and it's the things that we do, Everything that we create, we're currently making uh, a lot of the cabinets for Jones Place and everything. Um, it's just, it's been great. Everything that they do for me, everything they do for the community, everything like that, it's it's amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And there's a lot of stories like that. And uh, Steve, this is just sort of what YOU does in the community, helps people who are, are, are in need of some assistance and, 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 and gets them uh, going sort of in the right direction. And then once that happens, they can help other people who are in need. So it's, it, it's a very, very good cycle. What a, yeah, I love that whole, you know, round rounded out model because um sometimes offering that primary initial care to a young person who's going through some tough times is a young person who understands what it's like to walk in those shoes, right? And they don't need to talk about themselves, but they come that with that understanding because they've been in some tough spots often themselves. And, uh, and so they're not going to judge. They're not going to, um, you know, dismiss somebody's concerns. They can see them where they're at and kind of help, help them move themselves out of the circumstance that they're in right now. So let's talk about the way that the city of London is progressing on these these hubs plans. And 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 Jordan, I'll ask you first. I know that you've you've sort of kept uh, kept an eye on the story here and, and looked at it from from your perspective, from your experience. Uh, are they on the right track here, in your estimation, or are are they going for the right things? I think they are. Um, our homelessness situation has been horrible, um, especially like the youth and everything now are getting affected by it as well. There's not enough places or supports out there for the homeless. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that these hubs are a great idea. Um, same with uh, the safe use needles and paraphernalia, uh, uh, drug use. Uh, yeah, yeah, su supervised consumption. Yes, yes. yeah. Um, I think that it's great because no matter what, there's always going to be these issues and something has to be done about it. So when it comes to like the safe consumption, um, people are going to do what they want to do regardless. So why not make it possible for them to stay safe while, uh, while they do it? You know, so mm -hmm. that way it doesn't add into more problems because with the homelessness comes drugs most of the times. Yes. You know, so that's why I mentioned that. <laughs> uh, understandably so. It's, it's it's part of the deal. And yeah. and I know that some people do not necessarily like that to be mentioned because, well, I uh, this person has not used drugs and they're homeless or whatever yeah. happens to be. And there, there's obviously cases like that, but oftentimes the two are linked. And sometimes the drug use is what winds up ending up with the homelessness. Yes. Uh, we were talking about a story in the podcast last week of someone who was in a, a car crash they get prescribed certain drugs they can't kick those drugs and then they're homeless that's yeah. that's a sadly common tale oh yeah and I mean especially like during the winters and everything I understand it I've working with clean slate it gives you a totally different perspective of people and their situations because we got to meet a lot of people that are on the streets and are homeless that do use drugs and everything and they're they're humans you know and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't treat them as that way and it's I like agree. when it comes down to the fact of them using drugs it's it's an understandable aspect you know it's like if you're on the middle of the streets on the coldest freaking nights and there's like you have the possibilities of getting hurt getting robbed or anything yeah i probably pro if i was in that situation i'd probably do drugs keep awake too, keep warm some kind of a temporary fill because realistically what do you got you know yeah exactly what else what else would you be doing so uh steve i haven't talked to you about the hub plan uh since uh since we got it since we got a chance to take a look at it uh what uh what are your thoughts on it what do you say well you know what in some ways it took me a while to warm up to it because i thought how are we going to build space that can truly respond to uh our most marginalized and our highest needs populations, right? And so part of it was a bit of a sit back. Let's see how this unfolds before we really jumped in with both feet. And we had some fundamental questions about how it was going to come together, how these organizations were going to work together, how we could actually fundamentally create a space that not only gives people a room that night or a safe space that night, but to move beyond their circumstances around around homelessness and, and the encampments that they're in and so on. And as we've gotten more and more into it, certainly YOU is in with both feet at this point. So uh, we've got myself and then one other leader on a senior strategy and leadership team meeting. We've got staff members participating on the workforce development task force, the hub model task force, what should be in a hub, what should it look like and all that kind of stuff and offering our expertise and our voice wherever we can. And what I like about the model, what I really like about the model is it's it's moving us away from having shelters and, you know, nonprofit organizations, social service organizations doing their best to help our highest acuity, our highest needs people with a limited amount of resources. And what I what I mean by that is by engaging um, healthcare in particular. We're now looking at what are the key issues that are behind the homelessness, that are behind the violence, that are behind the drug use, that are behind, you know, so many challenges that the folks are facing that ends up leaving them in an encampment. And 
through that, I think we have an opportunity here to create a really inclusive response uh, that fundamentally I'm looking forward to it, to it reducing the number of people that live in encampments, reducing the number of people that are dying and suffering in our community, and fundamentally creating a, a community where we, we learn to give a shit more about these people because we need to. Well, and it's very clear, and I'm not talking about it on the individual level. I, I know there are a lot of people who very much care about uh, neighbors on the street or perhaps even family members yeah. on the street, whatever it happens to be. However, from a societal level, you're right when you say, in a lot of ways, we don't give a shit. And that that needs to be addressed. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere with this. Jordan, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... So many people, I've met people and like even my own grandmother is one of the prime examples. Uh, she's very judgmental of mm-hmm. people and she'll like, like clutch her purse when she walks by somebody that's homeless or anything like that. And it's like there's such a stigmatism about homelessness and people ignore it or they'll look at them with disgust and they don't treat them like they're humans. That's just something that I've constantly seen and they act like they put themselves in this situation, you know, and... Uh, like 99% of the times, that's not the case. So there may be one or two situations where somebody does choose it for whatever reason, um, but people don't choose uh, homelessness. You know, it's it's nothing great. I've been fortunate. I don't like the idea that people choose it. Again, in in a small percentage of cases, you're right. But the idea that people are like, oh, yeah, I want to live on the street every night. I want to sleep on the ground. I want to not know where my next meal, meal comes from. Like nobody wants that. Yeah. There, there might be some mental health issues that become a barrier that make it so that's a situation you're in or some addiction issue, whatever it happens to be. But nobody wants that for yeah. themselves. Or at the very least, a huge percentage of the population is not going to want that for themselves. Yeah. So uh, that that's a narrative that needs to be pushed back on for sure. Exactly. You know what? Um, one of our staff members and, and our staff see like an awful lot on a daily basis, right? Not that we always serve people experiencing homelessness, but but we see a wide range of, of uh activities, behaviors, challenges, all of the above. And one of our staff members was uh, walking to a meeting, I think it was two weeks ago, and she came, you know, cutting through a doorway uh, of a mall, and there was a woman in there, she said, who was completely naked, shooting up. And I pictured that image, and it certainly it left that staff member, who has, a, who has a resounding amount of resources available to her, what do I do for this person? And she didn't have an answer. And I think, I think about that person every time I think about what we're doing. And I think there would have been a time in her life, not maybe a long time ago, maybe not that long ago, where she could never have imagined that for herself ever. And yet there she is. And it's not just out of pity. It's not just out of, we have to have this unlimited boundless, empathy we there is that in part but there's also that diminishes our entire community when we see that happen that hurts us all i agree not just because of a safety issue i think that's so self-interested it's an important issue but it is not the driver it's just wrong in a community as wealthy and as bountiful as this when we're strapped for workers were strapped for you know all kinds of ways of engaging people that there are people in our community that that's their existence right now and we have to find ways forward and i think the hub is is a is is a way 
Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're talking about three to five hubs right now, and we'll see where we get um, as far as where whether we're at three, whether we're at five. They, they want to help uh, specific uh, communities, marginalized communities. I think that makes a lot of sense because th- these are just the spots where the help is needed the most. So with this being the case, I know there's some controversy surrounding, do we know this is going to work and are we going to be spending money here and not getting a lot out of it? Uh, Steve, how confident are you that this is the right way to spend this cash, $2 million to set this up and uh, and a little more than that to keep it going every year? I'm very confident as long as we continue to uh, look at what are the outcomes that we're all striving towards. Uh, the hub by itself is a great step forward but the hub, the hubs also need to be connected with the housing options. We need to be building more affordable housing in this community. We need to be creating more housing options for people. We need to, you know, for me, uh, the soapbox for you, for young people, we need to be thinking about ways in which we can support uh, families and being reunited. Because we think of these folks experiencing homelessness, living in encampments as not having family. They almost always do, particularly when they're a young person. They in the vast majority of situations they do. And it's not that their families don't care deeply about them. It's not that there's a massive, there's not a massive amount of heartache. When they have sons and daughters, nieces, nephews, grandchildren living in an encampment, there's a massive amount of heartache within families when that happens. So what do we do to support families to stay together? But the starting point is get people out of those encampments, get people into these hubs and make sure we have the infrastructure to support them beyond that. And it's the infrastructure to support beyond that that I uh, that I really hope that we continue to pay attention to because that's going to be where the transformative change happens. What needs to be there in your estimation, Jordan? Uh, we need healthcare. We need washrooms specifically is a massive thing. That's one thing, especially I keep referring back to Queenslate because it, it puts you right in the heart of downtown and Old East and right in the heart of all the homelessness and the drug use and everything. The amount of people that I had seen using the walls or just right in the middle of the street just to relieve themselves. You know, it's if I go downtown right now, there's not many spaces that I can go to use a public washroom. And then especially somebody that is in a homeless situation, they get judged. A lot of businesses will turn them away or the security will come and get them and tell them they need to leave. You know, and we don't have enough uh, options for people to... Uh, clean themselves up to get a fresh haircut and everything and clean themselves like clean clothes everything like that just have a shower yeah yeah you know and it's it does a world of difference like something as simple as a haircut and a shower and a clean set of clothes can make somebody's entire life different you know it's I've seen many videos about it I've heard stories about it and everything and it does make a difference you know uh, something that I, I keep coming back to, and, and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but you hear a lot of, oh, this person is homeless because they have mental health issues, which means that they should be able to access help for those mental health issues, of course, and we're doing a bad job as a society as far as providing that. However, I don't think we talk enough about this person has mental health issues because they are homeless. And <laughs> and there's a, di- there's a difference between those two things, obviously, that yeah. the fact that you're living on the street, you don't have access to a sh- a shower like Jordan's talking about or a place to go to the washroom, whatever it happens to be, that 
sort of wears on your mental health to the point where that gives you those mental health problems. And I think that we need to be talking about that more and how much of these, those mental health problems are we going to be avoiding for folks because we give them access to those things at these hubs. And I think that needs to be a, dis, uh, a more heavily discussed part of this. I think you're right. I think it's that. And I think that for the people that are experiencing some level of mental illness or, or mental unhealth, uh, what's the ongoing access to the medications that they would need if they, you know, cause if they don't have a family doc and almost all of them would not, how do they get access to prescription renewals so that they don't deteriorate so that their mental health, if they're in hospital care, goes back up, they may get some supports from community organizations. So their mental health becomes more grounded. They're in a better situation. They're less distressed on a chronic basis, they're eating well, all that stuff that can all help. But then often there's a medication issue too for a period of time and maybe forever, but at least for a period of time. And how do we ensure that the healthcare supports are there to provide that? Because what happens is people lose access to that medication over a period of time. If they're in a hospital, inpatient care, then they're discharged. They don't have access to the meds anymore. How do they get access and how do we build a system that ensures they have that access, right? What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I'm i not even somebody in that kind of situation. I haven't had a family doctor in over five years. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, a simple solution, but it's the reality of it is we don't have the medical care to be able to, like the staff and everything, to be able to go into these hubs and even once a week or something to go in and have a doctor and a nurse on site or something and where the doctor can like prescribe something for somebody if needed or look at them and give them the proper care and recommendations or whatever is needed through that. But unfortunately, again, with our us as a society, our uh, healthcare is not in a good place. And the same with the mental health. It's have hospitals closing down. You know, it's there's lack of staff when it comes to that. So I do understand that be limited, but that's definitely something needs to happen with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and, and that's that's the thing. We're sort of trying to figure out uh, how, how to best approach this. And yeah. I, I think, and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast uh, last week, with some problems in the city, there are some constituencies that say, hey, we don't need to worry about this. We don't need to do anything about this. I don't think anyone is of the belief that this isn't a problem that requires serious, specific, and immediate attention. I think everybody agrees with that. There may be some disagreement on how we we, we press forward here, but I think, and Steve, you've been working in this space for a long time. I think we're in a different, we're in a different mindset as a city and as a province, as a country now on these issues than we were even five or 10 years ago. Do you agree with that? I would agree completely. You hear less of the, well, you know, they made their own bed kind of mentality, right? Yeah. You hear a lot less of that than used to. There's always the trolls out there that will say that, but it's not the majority. It's a small minority of people and, and not even a mainstream thread, really. Agreed. So what do we want to see happen in the next few months here? And this is for, for either of you. What are you going to be keeping an eye on? What are you hoping to see between now and December when they hope to get these things open? And then even after December? Uh, I'd like to see, like more cleanliness yeah. less fecal matter on the streets you that's know? Just, that's yeah we should it's, all it's want a that. sign that the hubs are working you know where it's like 
somebody's like people that you see consistently and they haven't showered in weeks and it shows you know there's no hiding that and all of a sudden it's like you see them in their new clothes and they have that new smile and everything like that they're clean and they feel clean and they look good and they're not crapping onto the sidewalks anymore yeah that'd be an ideal thing to start seeing and then not so many like scattered but in a general area where it's like everything's more contained type thing and people can uh, watch them better and make sure everyone's safe and good and everything like that. Yeah, Steve, what do you think? I'm hoping we'll see visibly um, fewer people in encampments. Um, we want to solve the issue for sure uh, within the first couple, uh, but I'm hoping we'll see a, a noticeable change uh, where there are larger encampments or maybe where they're uh, consolidated in the downtown or all these village or, or neighborhoods where there's, there, there's just uh, you know, it's becoming a, a larger community issue in that neighborhood. Uh, and I'm hoping out of that, then we're going to start feeling more hope as a community that we can get ahead of this. Uh, because uh, I think we need more of that, not to sound Pollyanna on that stuff. But if we start seeing some success, we start seeing some momentum, we start seeing some profiles of some of the people that have benefited from this approach. It won't be a panacea. It's not going to fix the massive problems we have within a few months kind of stuff. But if we start seeing success, we know that the hard work ahead of us is going to be worthwhile. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we start seeing that, too. And I'm, I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later, because as we said, you know, lives are, are on the line here. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there, there's there's no there's no scenario more urgent in which, than this one where people are, are, are living and dying based on the results here. Uh, Want to ask both of you guys uh, about uh, about Jones Place, which I uh, traveled past on a very regular basis. I don't live far from there, and I know that uh, that you wanted to talk about it, uh, Jordan. Uh, first, I'll get a construction update from Steve. Then I'll get a hey, what are we going to be able to do update there from 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 Jordan? But Steve, where are we at on construction at Jones Place? It looks like it's coming along pretty well from my uh, my frequent trips by on York Street there. <laughs> Day to day, almost, you're seeing almost another visible layer going into that building, that construction, right? So it's very cool. By the end of uh, the warm weather, so sometime November kind of thing, uh, we'll see a building that um, is uh, is enclosed. We'll see the shape of the building start coming in. uh, And then uh, we'll start seeing stuff going on inside that won't be so noticeable. But the scale of the building will be visible by the end of... uh, end of November kind of stuff before the winter conditions set in. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, that's awesome. We want to see that progress. So Jordan, what's, once Jordan, uh, what's Jones place is up and running, what's going to be happening there? What are you looking forward to being able to accomplish in that space? Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, too, if I have any misinformation on this. Yeah. Um, it's a big thing. There's a lot going say, on. I'm, I'm just, I'm a participant, yeah. so I'm not actually somebody on staff to know f- f- yeah. details of things, but um as far as I'm aware, like it's going to be, I think it's 30 units or something, 32, I believe. Um, and it's housing for the youth and young families. And it's it's just going to be a great situation. It's going to get a lot of the youth off the streets. It's going to get families together. There's going to be common areas. Um, the Youth Action Center used to take donations, but they've stopped that because there's been a lot of renovations and inside work going on there. But that's where the donations will start going to is at Jones Place. So that's going to, once it's up and going, there's going to be so many things, so many supports and access to items and everything. It's, there's a lot of potential with this, yeah. you know, and I only see good things coming from it. 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be really great too. Is there anything else that uh, that either of you want to add about where we're at on hubs, or we're at on uh, whole of community response, we're at on Jones Place before we wrap up our uh, our, our conversation here? I think on the, on the Jones Place side, one of the things that's always uh, lit us up at YOU uh, quite substantially about this is with the housing model that Wiley has in place now, with the employment resources, with the social enterprises like that cafe that we run, uh, pre-construction. So we have a, a range, a pretty fulsome range of supports for youth, whether they're marginalized youth or mainstream youth looking to break into a career. Um, the shelter was a massive step forward on giving access to a place where somebody doesn't, know, doesn't have a safe place to put their head down tonight kind of stuff. Jones Place will finish off basically a model that then becomes scalable as it, as it needs to, and I think can be replicated in other communities where you've got a hub, uh, not a hub like the, like the um, homelessness uh, hubs, the healthcare, homelessness healthcare hubs, but a hub that will be a one-door access for, um, for young people if they're looking for housing, if they're looking for employment, if they're looking to return to school. Um, they walk in those doors and they'll have an entire organization and a bunch of partners that work for many other organizations whose only job is there to help them. And they won't be set, they won't be told, no, you're in the wrong place. You have to go here, hop on a bus, go there and so on. And that model of care is really unusual. Uh, and that model of care is game changing because you can help people with momentum if you're not sending them away and you're, and you have a fulsome response where you can say, we can help you with this. We can help you with that. Your immediate need is X, Y, and Z. Let's take care of that. Right. Yep. I think that uh, I think that's what we want to see. We just want to see more supports and and and, and give people options who are in a difficult situation. So yeah. uh, we will uh, wrap up the conversation there, Jordan. Is there anything else that you want to add before we? Uh, uh, nothing I can really think of. <laughs> uh, there we go. That sounds good. So, uh, Jordan, thank you so much for uh, for coming in and, and, and talking with us today, and, and thanks to you, Steve, for uh, for 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 doing it virtually as well, uh, and and thanks to everyone for downloading to uh, downloading listening to this edition of the Craig Needles podcast, which of course can be found at Classic Rock Nine. And LondonNewsToday.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 